Welcome to This Creative Life Radio. I'm Felicity O'Connor. Creative women all over the world are unblocking and recovering their creative journey while they rewrite the rules for creative success. Join me as I explore the lives of people engaged in successful creative work and unlock helpful tips that leave you inspired and ready to create. So welcome everybody back to the podcast, uh, This Creative Life. Really thrilled to have you with us. Um, It's such a utter delight to be able to pick the brains of other artists. And today uh, my guest is painter Catherine Cassidy and someone... I've got to admit, I'm a bit of a fangirl of Catherine. I have been for a while, <laughs> stalking her a little bit online. Uh, she does some very extraordinarily beautiful abstract dynamic paintings. But I don't know a whole lot about Catherine and I'm really hoping we get the opportunity to find out all about you and your work today. Catherine Cassidy, welcome to This Creative Life. Thank you, Felicity. Fantastic. Fantastic to have you. And I, I seriously have had just the most amazing admiration for, for what you do. I would be dying to ask you so many things, but let's start early on if we can and unwind, wind back at least to where you started um, being an artist. Were you born an artist? Well, I can't even remember, Felicity. I think I've always, I've always done it. I can, I can never remember not painting. Really? So a little kid, yeah, little kid, a lot of time. We were never allowed to say we were bored as kids. It was just you'll take off and find something to do because, you know, that's your job. <laughs> so, yeah, just I just always drawing, painting, making books, making sculptures, just always banging bits of wood together in an old shed, anything at all, usually on my own. Um, older brother, sometimes we'd illustrate and make books bird books, chopping up old National Geographics and doing collages. And, but I just remember doing that forever. Wow. Um, so it was never, I was never not painting. Mm. And did you grow up in a, in a country area or, or city? Yeah, or Ballarat, Victoria. Mm. Ah, fellow Victorian. Well, I didn't know that about you. There we are. Old climate, inside a lot, thinking a lot. I relate. I or out in the bush. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay, and then, but these days you're in Sydney, so you obviously made a, a transition out of Victoria. Yeah, for a long time, yes. Yeah, had my yeah. family out here and live at Okay, okay, okay. So you, you, you grew up in that and then did you go, you, you kept doing art? Did you go to art school yourself too? Uh, yeah, I did. I went to RMIT and then I left it, you know, self-doubt, self-doubt, um, I'm not a genius, so I'm never going to be any good, all that sort of stuff. Um, parents, I oh, don't get into that bohemian world, so you don't. And you put it off and you put it and it comes back, comes back knocking on the door. So oh. it came back again. Uh, and I ended up, when I was up in Sydney, I ended up going to St George College. And um, then ended up, I had a, even when I first came to Sydney, I had applied to, NAS, to NAS, National Art School and was accepted. Mm-hmm. Plagued with self-doubt again. No, no, I might have been accepted, but I'm still no good. So back to St George. Finally back to NAS um, and did my Masters at NAS. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, um, I'm not really an art education person. I'm not really mm-hmm. too keen on art institutions. I, they don't suit me. Mm-hmm. And I think they have to exist. And there's a lot of them. And there's a lot of students churned out of them. But I don't... I'm not really happy 
I'm a loner, so I just do my thing. I'd be curious to pick your brains for that for a moment. What what do you feel about um, the what happens to art students as you say, sort of churn through art school? What do what do you notice about that system? Um, I think it go, it does it does encourage fads. I think to a degree, it encouraged the fashion of painting at the time. Mm. You've got to be very hard wired and very hard willed to hang on to your own self at art school. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, when I look back, it gave me confidence in that I I knew I had done it and I could throw it away. Yep. And zoom off on my own. If I hadn't actually gone through those times, I wouldn't have seen that. For me, they were unnecessary. I would have still thought, mm, "I've got to go and do that and you know, take do those correct sort of pathways." But I, I, I think if you're born an artist, you're just an artist. It doesn't. But it needs to be confirmed very early on by parents and school, and yeah, it, uh, it does get better now. But it wasn't wasn't then. Yeah, and it sounds like you had a journey of which that really wasn't confirmed that early because you taught you mentioned no. self doubt. Oh, and still plagues me today. That's why when you say, "Oh, I'm a bit of a fan," and I've been looking, I'm like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> but if you don't have the self doubt, you'll you'll never. I don't think you make the twists and turns that you need to. I think self doubt takes you to some good places. You don't know they're good at the time, but I think. I, I don't destroy a lot of work. I paint over some, but in the end, the self-doubt becomes your friend, I think. And I think if you don't have it, you're missing something. Wow. It, I don't think good art is ego-driven. It's not driven by confidence. Yeah. It's driven by an absolute excitement with the material and your memory. Mm. And if you're a landscape person, as I am, whatever you're thinking about at the time, it's mm. the matter you're working with and the... Um, the opportunity to see what it can do, that's the excitement. And it's got nothing to do with yourself, your really. Mm. It comes mm. from another, and that's what I'm really interested in, finding that other place, letting that other place step up. But, it's something you know, sort of, you're talking about something, uh, well, I, I experience exactly what you just said, actually, but it's, it feels like it's something beyond you or through you working yes. through you, would, would you feel, yes? Yes, it's outside you almost. And, mm. you know, those good days you have in the studio where you just think, whoa, where's the day gone? What the hell was that? A train's run over the top of you. Mm-hmm. It's just, and usually all the work that, I mean, I work very quickly, so I'll do a big work in a day. I'm not too happy about going back and working over it the next day. Uh, I like that run of energy mm. that'll come good day and that's accessed I don't know where it's from it's another place that accompanies you but it's not your it's not your sense of self is what I'm trying to say I think it's it's a very deep intuitive place that you don't you can't get to it every day every working day it just and you know the days when it does hit and you try not to to even look at it directly you just think and just go Oh, and it really takes over and just rolls yes. with you. It's, yeah, I so relate to what you're saying. That's the addiction that artists have. They're addicted. It's an adrenaline. It's a, it's a machine, an engine. Mm. You feel that engine running and it's a bit scary, 
Mm. You know where it's going to take you and you don't know if you'll succeed. You could spend the whole day with a lot of energy, a lot of physical energy, standing up, whacking this stuff around. You're never quite sure if it'll work. But if you don't forget yourself in the process, you won't get there either, I feel. Mm. You rub yourself out when that thing comes along. Mm. But is whatever that energy coming from your story? Is it coming from your early experiences of the world? Does some of that energy is it is it about self expression? It comes from a passion I have with land, ground, right? Landscape. I'm not mad about the word landscape, but ground, land, country. Mm. Just got an absolute passion for this country. It's light. And a lot of my works, um, they're about really big things, I think, for me. They're about light, air, illumination, colour, um, and mark and form and that all comes into it. But I love all those big, those big imponderable things light and air and space between things and light mm. between things, yeah. And is that uh, because do you, do you find in the process that you go into or onto the land, into that space on the ground and you observe things and then come back into the studio or do you find it almost is within you anyway? It's recall. Yep. Okay. It's kind, of, kind of different than memory. Recall comes back in funny snatches, yeah. funny distorted snatches, which are wonderful. I mean, I, I can still be thinking about a place I visited out in the desert five years ago. Wow. You, know, and you still need to dip back into it. That's why I'm really glad I'm going again soon. You need to keep those things refreshed. You know, what a, what a pink creek, empty creek bed looks and feels like. And yeah. it's what these places feel like. Yes. That I'm interested in. They, they might, and there's some visual markers that you use to bring that place back to my satisfaction. And if, if I can connect with the viewer, the viewer's always there, actually. The viewer, I guess, is another part of yourself too. You're yeah. trying all the time to see the work with objective eyes, the viewer's yes. eyes. Yes. Um, and not all the time, but you think, how would that be seen? Would it connect? And I'm, that's, I'm quite passionate about it. If I can't connect with Mark, it's not working. And it's got to have a certain energy around it to connect to it? Is, is, is that what happens for you? Yeah. Mark, the, the type mm. of Mark, the character of the Mark, the variety mm. of Mark. Mm. And mm. the colour, colour, you know, the, how I use colour, I use that to, to bring that energy too. I'm really interested in the way you do that. Um, I find that really magnetic, if I can use that word in your work, where you have a, often a very dark, looks like almost a blacky kind of ground, which makes that colour pop. Is that, yeah. is that the intention? I, I do find a white ground, and I found that just by making a lot of mistakes. A white, a white ground I find quite difficult. Um, it doesn't say much to me. It doesn't hold a lot of depth. It's a surface. Uh, it, you know, it's just this bright white rectangle that doesn't, it doesn't immediately bring something to me. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. So I'll yes. go for a dark, maybe a dark, ready black. I'll just get a bit of black, 
I don't know, a bit of black gesso or something and mix a bit of a dark red or a dark blue or something, um, or even just a muddy ground. I just love a coloured ground. I'm halfway there once that ground's down. That's really interesting, which might explain why you feel you can complete things in a full day, you know, that you can get to a point. So you, you must put your ground down, do you, in acrylic? Do you paint in acrylics? Yeah, or it's it... very, quite thin. I might put it put down twice, two, two thin grounds. Um, mm-hmm. Big, big floppy brush, you know, so that it's, the, it's broken a bit. Um, and usually I, if I'm, and then I start thinking about the place that I've had in my mind at that particular time. And that will then usually start to form itself up like a little screen, like a little picture in my mind on that dark ground. And then I just sort of follow, follow that. that so there's no, there's no right. photos, there's no kind of direct reference. It's, it's purely like that recall, as you, as you said. In yeah, I've got old faded photos up on the walls of the studio of different places, but they're just there as kind of little comfort things. I don't use yes. them as any. Yeah, and they're, they're little things, that little favourite gorges and rock walls and things that I've, you know, but, and I, I suppose they end up going into the memory bank too, little bits of them. Yeah, yeah, well that, well, that was the other thing I was interested in, whether it was always such a direct thing as right now I'm thinking of this particular place or is it more like just a, a feeling of, let's say, gorges and there's a whole history of if you're visiting gorges, touching gorges, looking at gorges and that's all mixed into the whole... Yep feel of a gorge that you then go to the canvas with um or uh, yeah not the ho- like i wouldn't be thinking of the whole thing i'd be thinking of a, a piece of the wall with a pool at the bottom of it you know right. and anything anything along that um out in the fink river or a piece of something it might even just be a tree in a shadow yeah yeah. And I think, so, oh, I remember that big, lacy, circular shadow under that tree. Beautiful. Yeah, there was one at Bruny Island like that on a wheaty sort of hillside and it was just a, a great big domey tree and it had this lacy circular pattern under it. I thought, oh, one day I'll do something with that. And it's still, every now and then I think, oh, I remember that <laughs> tree and weird, that beautiful circle of lace shadow under it. It'll, it'll pop up somewhere isn't it, it's just such a fascinating process isn't it and it's so um organic isn't it I, well I mean I can relate to a lot of what you're saying but I just it's yeah you know, I, I think what can be really confronting and tricky for people that work so intuitively um and maybe I'm speaking more for myself here but it can be I find it can be quite tricky and I notice this with other artists to put language on that process because it is often a bit beyond us and, and quite intuitive. You Have you found that you've had to, over the years, develop a language to tell people what the art is about, to tell the viewers what your process no, is? I, I'm, I don't want to tell anybody anything. <laughs> I feel very lucky I've got you on the podcast then, Catherine. <laughs> I, I, I just want them to feel something when they look at the work. Mm. Like oh, that that just touches me. They mightn't yeah. know why. They mightn't know why. I don't know why. And they don't. They mightn't know why. And why should we know why? But to yes. me, it's it's just connecting with landscape. So you're, you are, you want you want your view to just yeah natural. Uh, uh, yeah. So an emotional response to the to the natural world that you have experienced or felt or thought about forever. Mm. And then you just want the viewer to come in and you don't want the viewer necessarily to say, oh, well, that's, that's you know, um, the Flinders Ranges or that's... No, no, no nothing descriptive. 
no, yeah. no, I, no, not into description. What does Perfect. that tell you? No, it doesn't tell you much. <laughs> I love it. I love, well, I love the mystery of that. And I, I love the fact that that becomes a kind of a universal thing then rather than a specific. Yeah. And I, I, just, invent, I just invent the marks as I go along. And I suppose they're, they're mm. evolving and changing as, as, I, as I paint on. But they're not the same, exactly the same marks. They're faster than I used to make. They're broader. Um, all that broadness and speed shows energy. Show, it shows a, a genetic, you know, a genesis. Mm. A genesis of form and a, a, that whole, um, that energy that's in everything and underlying everything, I think that's, that's what interests me. How does a human mark bring that back? Superb. I think you do it extraordinarily well. And um, it's, it's exactly the same challenge uh, that I know I face as an abstract painter too. Um, but it's the joy. It's the challenge, but it's the joy. Yeah. Um, and that's the addiction. I totally relate to those words, that's for sure. Do you have periods, I'd be really curious to know, do you have periods where you get really stuck and that energy and that connection just isn't Go happening? shopping, dig the garden, chop right. the tree down. I'll go and mow the lawn, I'll do something physical, write myself off for a day. Just, but I won't, I don't know I'm stuck until I've stuffed up a beautiful big new canvas or think I've stuffed it up. But working, the the marvellous thing about working with vinyl and um, polymer paints is you just come back in with some gesso and get rid of it all and make a new painting over the top and use some of the mistakes and bits underneath, you know, that will give you some new ideas. But nothing's ever lost. You think Mm. you've lost lose that day that time but it will it will then morph into the another work so mm-hmm. I, I don't often call things off one or you know half a dozen a year I suppose mm-hmm. most of the time they'll become another another painting yes yes and you, you work on a large scale so first to just mm-hmm. ask you about that you don't use oils at all no I used to mm-hmm. for a long time as a child I did because the, the you know polymer paints weren't around mm-hmm. um no, they're wonderful. I think their colour is, is, can't be surpassed. But to resolve a painting really, really quickly, um, I need a quick drying medium. And even, even I'll just use a hairdryer to make it extra fast. You know, mm. I need a dry patch to just whack something over the top that I've thought of. And if it, you've got to act on these thoughts very quickly, or I do. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, dry it fast. And you can still work wet in wet if you want to because if you're fast enough. It doesn't, um, acrylics don't deny you that you can still, yeah. You can still work a very similar way. And I, I used to think you couldn't. I thought oils, mm. you know. But the wonderful thing of oils is you can just scrape them off. Yeah. And just smear another bit on. But um, I just love the speed. The speed I get, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's otherwise I make mud. Yeah, <laughs> as I call them, mud pies. I often end up with a day where all I've made is mud pies. <laughs> a lot of people are quite worried about acrylics. They think they, um, or the good ones now really dry through. They're pretty much they dry a little darker, but you, I don't know. You get used to working with that slight adjustment all the time. But I don't think there's any, no, you know, 
I don't do Belgian linen and oil paint and all that nonsense. Okay. okay. Polyester and acrylic. <laughs> Polyester and acrylic. Right. Okay. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about your own. Um, well, you know, we started talking about art school and the doubts and backwards and forwards in working yourself mm. through that. Um, did you, were you raising a family? Were you trying to work? Mm. Just gone flat out yeah. for I'm a full-time artist? Yeah, all it? those things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. How did you manage to I've always had a, I had a studio space in an old shed and I've always had somewhere to work. Yeah. Right. So that's been ongoing in the background, if not oh, sometimes yeah. the foreground of, of, of life. Yeah. 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 Okay. Has there been times where you stepped out of all of that or has it always been there? Always been there. I oh. couldn't, I could never leave it. I don't know, I shrivel up. No, I could not stop doing that. Mm. Too many, there's too many ideas. Um, yeah. Even now, I'm thinking, you know, yeah, no, there's too many ideas of going forward and what's going to change and, um, yeah, what you can find out. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. It's, it, there's never enough. I remember hearing an interview with Elizabeth Cummings recently and she was saying, we're actually, as artists, we're quite greedy because there's never enough. You want the work, more. And the work is greedy. It wants more of you all the time. Yes. And you're just a little slave to it. You get greedy because you want more affirmation from it. Because, you know, once you've done something that has it's worked out, you just think, oh, God, it's just better than, you know, it's just, better than, it's just fabulous. And, and you look at it the next day and it's total crap, of course. But you, you get addicted to that, the affirmation <laughs> that it gives you. The, it, it's, li it's life affirmation. You think, well, it's, ex it's extraordinary. Human mm -hmm. mark is an extraordinary thing. And once you get hooked by it, you can't leave it. Mm. Do you find yourself um, finding time or, or are, you, are you perhaps not even interested, but do you go out to other galleries? Do you look at other paint, painters? Uh, I do. I have little bouts of that. Yep. Um, I'm not too keen on looking at a lot of other artists' work. Mm. I'll go and see something special if I think it's really um, worth seeing. But I think the mass of work that's on display... It's overwhelming. Mm. And um, it, it doesn't always make me feel fantastic, I must say. So once again, it's the loner thing. I just like to be on my own, do my own thing, and every now and then go and look at something else. Mm. That's why Instagram's so good. You can Instagram, go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You just have your little art community and you, you know, one minute you're talking to someone or looking at some work in Berlin or Russia yeah. or Canada or something, the next minute you're back in your studio working away. And then, you know, two hours yeah. later you're back in the UK or it's wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I've, I found a, an amazing community of, of artists that way. And also I find I quite like the accountability of, of making myself post things to reflect and actually write maybe something or um, yep. re-look at it or, or, yeah, for lots of reasons. Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You, you, you have, uh, you're connected to uh, the gallery in Sydney, Art to Muse, I think. Is that right? Are there, where, where, else, where else and how else do you do um, that? Also, um, Alison Bellinger in, um, in Varel. She's oh, my okay. Marvelous. Okay. Okay. She's and what's your connection there? Um, she's handling some big works of mine at the moment. 
and Katrina and Anton at Art to Muse. So they're, they're both wonderful gallerists. Mm. Um, they run quite different types of galleries, mm-hmm. but they just have that wonderful ability to connect with people. Right. So they, yeah, they're terrific. How did you end up getting, and, and this is for, you know, for the sake of a lot of our listeners uh, who are clearly artists, um, how did you end up getting into a gallery? How did that start? Oh, you just rock up and ask them. <laughs> you make it sound so bloody easy. <laughs> oh, believe me, I've done, oh, you know, you don't all, you, often, you can often get a smack across the chops. So, you know, when you're out gallery hunting, you can do it, for, I can do it for a little while and then I just have to stop and just stop the whole process and get right away from it and go and work. Right. But you, but before starting out, you actually just approached the galleries. You just took a folder, what a folio of stuff and said, I'm keen to have a show. And that's. Oh yeah. You can, yeah. Email, yeah. send images, anything. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So you did that for a while and did you do things like entering art prizes? Oh yeah. I've been a finalist in Mossman Paddington about five times. Mm. Paddington five times, I'm Mossman, um, Wynn, um, been hung in the Dobell when it was the Dobell Drawing Prize. Um, I love those major prizes. I love the free-for-all, you know, anybody. I love those the, the, the big gallery prizes where it's a free-for-all. I think that's fun. Yeah, that's you don't know who you're up against, you know. It's, yeah. yeah. That's a really refreshing perspective because I, I, um, I'm often encouraging other artists to go for prizes, like to, to enter and, oh, and build free money. And yeah, all of those, those reasons. Yeah, but, yeah. but ge- generally I find there's a, there's a bit of a uh, sort of a, I don't know if I'd say negative, but a, quite a sort of a sceptical attitude towards that, that people say, oh, they're just making them money out of you and, it, you know, you never get in and you all get so many knockbacks. We all have to deal with so much rejection. So that's really interesting to hear you have quite a different sort of view on that. I think they're lot, everybody calls them lotteries and, you know, most artists that I know consider the entry fee a donation to that mm. particular institution, whatever it is. You make your donation, you enter the lottery, go and forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and don't put too much store in it, you know. And if, if you get up, you get hung, it's lovely. It's a feather in your cap. It's lovely to be with other people that you admire. Mm. Um, up on a bigger wall than usual, you know, mm. a bigger audience than usual. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just think I, I, I paint for fun. I, I want the fun of it. So... All these other things have to be fun too. You can't take them too seriously or you'll really trip up. Good if advice. you make it a trajectory, like a, um, a career trajectory, you'll, I, I don't think, no, I couldn't do it that way. Thank mm. you. And yet that's exactly what you've, you've achieved, isn't it? You have a career. Um, you're you're yep. doing it full time. You, you're represented in get several galleries. Yeah. People are buying the best, the best of all, I'm doing exactly what I want. I don't feel I'm pressured by a market or uh, expectations from anyone. I don't have to repeat myself. I can turn a corner and do completely different things if I want to. It, it's, that's something I would never want to lose. I'd never want any direction or any pressure, and that can often happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're in a big gallery, you can often be having... Shows when you're not quite ready. Mm. 
You've got to have X amount of works ready by a certain date. Everybody goes through those things and you can use it as a carrot on a stick or it can be, it can become a real bind. But the way I'm showing at the moment, I find I'm as free as a bird. That's hopefully reflected in the works. I don't, yeah, I don't want to be contained in any way. So you, you lose out a little bit, you get a bit defiant, but I just, yeah, the freedom is a, is a fabulous thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's essential and I think that can be a very complicated thing once you're involved in, a, in a expect, expectations of an audience, of a, of a buyer, of a collector, of a gallery. Mm. As a woman artist, as a female artist, have you noticed over the years, and you've, you, you know, you've been around for a bit, experiencing all of this world, have you noticed any difference between how the men are treated? Uh, oh, yeah. Women artists? Oh, oh yeah. It's a, this is my particular little uh, project here uh, about supporting women artists. So what, I'd be well, glad to know. Older, as a mature female artist. Yep. If I was doing, and I don't think I could be doing what I was doing, I couldn't do this work at 25 or 30. This is, it's pretty mature resolved stuff. I don't know that it can come out of a 30-year-old. It couldn't come out of my 30-year-old self or didn't. Right. Um, but if you're a good-looking young male, you're halfway there. Damn it. Do you think it's still the case? <laughs> Um, becoming less so, I hope. Yeah. I think there's some, there's some outstanding older women artists all around the world. Rose yes. Wiley. You know Rose Wiley in the UK? Yes. I mean, get out of here, Rose. She is just off the planet. She is amazing. <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. And she's full of integrity and, and just, and I'm sure she's plagued with self-doubt. In fact, I'm pretty sure she is. But her stuff is like nothing I've ever seen. It's just Oh, it's just wonderful. So inventive, so mm. free. Mm. And I think, I think there's a, I think if galleries are wise, they'll be looking to a lot of older artists. Carmen Herrera in, in US, another one. I think she's in her 90s, abstractionist, been working away quietly. Suddenly, oops, who's this Carmen Herrera? Whoa, let's, you know. Mm. Suddenly, her profile goes through the roof, and, and, and you know, in her late eighties, nineties, um, I think Louise Bourgeois got, you know, more and more attention as she got older. Mm. Who else am I thinking of? Um, oh, there's several, and of course, our, our female Indigenous painters. Yes, all the art centres in their eighties, a lot of them, seventies and eighties. Yes, and when bananas. They had all that imagery stored up in their head all their life. They didn't need to go and see it again. They've seen it. Mm. Mm. All that ground that they've walked over, all all those stones that they've seen, all that textural stuff, and and back it comes Mm. in all their stories and all their songs and it's all just in them. Mm. Um, I mean, to be painting in a country that contains artists like that, that freaks me out. What you it's, oh, it's just the opportunity to be working in a country where they exist is yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, this, that this sounds is like very... that ties you back to, you know, 
okay, we said landscape, even though I know you don't like the word landscape mm. as such, but, but it, it, it sounds like that rolls us right back through into why land and ground is part of your work. Well, the connection to me is the natural world. I just adore it. I just, yeah. to be in it, to be walking on it, yeah. sitting, sitting in it, that's, yeah, that completes me. I, if I had to live without it, I, well, I wouldn't, wouldn't probably. But a lot of people can sit and paint a jug of flowers and they're quite happy. That's mm -hmm. their thing. You're making paintings, compositions, you know. Mm -hmm. But to be out in a... An untrammeled landscape, I'd say, Australia is to me. There's so many parts of it that you feel has never even been trodden on. Yeah. Or not to my knowledge, you know, way out around Lake Eyre and Mound Springs and um, parts of the Flinders Ranges. I mean, Indigenous people have roamed through there forever, but for white artists to be out sitting under a tree out in the middle of all that is just mind-bending. Yes, it is, isn't it? The light and the space. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's no other country in the world provides that for me. That's, so I'm, that's I'm fantastic. very, very attached to this country. Yeah, it's fantastic here. I, I had my um, first experience of going out to the, well, not my first, but as a, as a serious painter, my first experience of going out to uh, the desert uh, in an area called Fowler's Gap, which you may know of because a lot of oh, people yes, yes, have, yes. have gone out there past north, north of Broken Hill. Yes. Absolutely mind-blowing. In fact, it was so overwhelming, I could barely paint for about the first three days. Mm. I know that feeling. Mm. And yep. it was life, it was changing. It was a turning no. point. You will never be the same again. It gets and you'll easy, never... doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. But it does, uh, there is a three-day thing, I don't know what that is. I know um, the outback trips I've done, people would have funny dreams for three days or three nights. Oh, They'd, yes. Weird dreams. What are these? Whoa, disturbing things. <laughs> and then they stop. Uh -huh. So whether you're, in, I don't know, it's creepy, whether you're inhabited by the spirit, spirit. of the place, yeah. I don't know. We don't know. It's not our culture to know, to know. Mm. But there is something, there's a, and I'll often be sitting out under a tree up a creek bed somewhere, I don't know, back of William Creek or, you know, and, and I'll just think, ooh, what's that? And it's just a presence. There's just something humming behind you and around you. It's not, um, it's a friendly feeling. It's not, mm -hmm. um, it's not threatening in any way, but there's a presence, a big benign presence that that's that sits with you and I, I i felt that several times and i guess you could speak to an indigenous person and probably tell you what it is or what it means i don't know but you're heading it, you're heading somewhere out soon aren't you whereabouts are you about um, to go yeah I'll be, uh, the place i really the first trip i ever went out to fink river i'll go, I'll go out to glen helen and roam down along the Fink, along the gorges, along the Fink River. Just just tell our listeners where that is because a lot of people won't know. That's uh, about one and a half hours west of Alice Springs. Wow. The Western McDonald Ranges. Western and the Fink, the, the actual Fink River, a lot of it flows underground and it pops up in waterholes and uh, uh, billabongy sort of bits, but a lot of it's underground and it, it's the oldest existing original river course on the face of the planet, the mm. thing. Wow. 
And so that's you go, you, the whole deep time thing, you know, yeah. if you want to explore deep time, and I think that's probably what this three-day woo, where am I, why am I having funny dreams thing is, you're shot through a portal into deep time when you go out there. Oh, what a beautiful You're shot, like shot out of a cannon. And it's, uh, I don't know if you know the, um, the evolutionary, um, what is he, he's an evolutionary philosopher, Stephen Jay Gould. He wrote a lot of books. Oh, he's amazing. He wrote a lot of books about deep time. Um, and he, he, he often talked about deep time and ceaseless motion as being the two, uh, the two things that are constant on this planet. And his example of that was if you go to the top of Mount Everest, you'll see seashells stuck in the rocks on the highest peak in the world. So this, this ceaseless motion where the planet's always moving and changing and um, you see evidence of it. You see it here. You see it in Australia everywhere. But our landscape here, unlike, say, Everest or Europe, it's remnant. It's all remnant. It's so ancient. We are the oldest part of the world's crust. So we, everything you see is about a third of what it ever was. If you see a, a bit of a crater rim, you know, Goss's Bluff out, out near the Fink, that used to be a huge volcanic thing that loomed up into the sky, you know, dinosaur times, I suppose, I don't know. A mm. comet, comet hit, the, hit the earth. But now it's just this big rim, this big sort of craggy rim that you can drive into and you can go into the centre of it. Oh, it's very strange approaching it. You just see these, like a circular fortress wall of rock rising up and you can drive in and, and paint, you know, park your car and walk in and paint anywhere inside the rim of the volcano, the ancient, yeah. well, not a volcano, no, it's a meteorite crater. Mm. So oh, is that what you, it's, it's, I mean, I'm just getting chills even thinking about that, but do, tell, tell us when you, when, you, when you go out next, uh, and as I said, you're, you're about to have a little trip out do you you drive yourself out there do you how, how does your day look when you're working uh yeah this time i'll go out with one painter friend and we'll just hire a car and take off into all the they're really easily accessible those gorges along um along the thing it's not a, this is not a really it's remote but it's not uh heavy four-wheel drive terrain because yeah i used to go with someone who was capable of dry you know she had her own vehicles with with um, set phones and snorkels and aerials and everything that you would need um, in an emergency. Of course, we went all over the place um, and she's not doing that anymore. So I'm quite happy to go out and just chuff myself around some familiar places, you know, Palm Valley. It's Namajira country too, which is spooky. Why do you say spooky? Um, I think those painters, um, the Pararulcha brothers, the Hermansburg painters, um, Otto Pararulcha, an extraordinary artist of Namajira's time, more extraordinary to me than Namajira. Mm. Um, fantastic uh, totemic expressionism, they called it or something at the time. Very vibrant, alive stuff. Um, they were exposed to Western art and some of them took some aspects of it on and some didn't and they, made, they did just precisely what suited them. Um, tremendously sensitive to colour and the medium, though, Namajira is so sensitive to that medium. Uh, mm. Amazing. Um, I mean, you can go out to the Araluan Centre, 
you know, on your way out of Alice and, and see the, the Namajira collection. It's just beautiful. Oh, I'd, love to, I'd love to see that. So you, you drive out there, you're going out with, you, with your friend yeah. and you just, you'll, you'll go to the places that, that, that are easy and you know well. And then yeah. how, does, how does that painting day unfold? I'm really curious to know about what Well, I've got my old folding chair. You know, I use one of those beach <laughs> chairs because I like to be close to the ground. I stick an yeah. old bit of, an yeah. old bit of tarp down. Yeah, I mean, so I actually like sitting on the ground, to be honest. That's how I like painting when yeah, I'm Yeah, I just like the, the bit of something behind your back and, you know, you can yep. be under it. You find your bit of shade. Might not, not be much sometimes. I've, I mean, I've sat under a tiny bit of low scrub out on Lake Eyre. Oh, I think wow. it was 52, 52 on the ground, I think it was that day, and it was dangerous. <laughs> I think we stayed about an hour and a half and had to get out. It was just really quite dangerous. Uh, people have died on that access road. You know, you don't. Yeah, just, 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 just to interrupt. I mean, just for for people that are our our international listeners, that's fifty two degrees centigrade. We're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Water I don't know what that means in Fahrenheit, but that's <laughs> bloody hot, basically. You carry water, and then you get out of there, but, um, and you you know hightail it back to the William Creek pub and pat yourself on the back for being so brave. <laughs> Doing around in, on black muddy track to get out there, and you know, sort of strap hanging all the way, and you know, but it's 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 marvelous um, when you when you get out into these places. That um, so you're working on, on paper when you're out there, or do you take canvas? Yeah, little bits of ply. Um, right, paper's the best. Paper's easy. Yeah. yeah, but you've got you know you're carrying a lot of water because you're carrying drinking water and you're carrying painting water, painting which water. I've been, I've been guilty of drinking with painting water. Mixing up, we've all done that. <laughs> I was very frightened one day and I drank all the drinking water and I thought, oh, it's a bit pinky, funny colour of the paint. No, I hadn't done much and I thought, oh, I'm not staying here much longer. I don't think a bit of paint's going to help. I drank that as well. So I don't know. <laughs> I've done that a few times. But, yeah, the chair, the bit of tarp, um, some, some shade. Um, I cut lunch and you can think, oh, I'm... Very happy camper then. You could be there hours. If you've got good shows, you could be there for hours. Yeah. And all you hear are bird calls. Yeah. You might hear a funny thump and you'll look around and there'll be an emu or a, a roo just, you know, over a ridge or over a dune looking at you. Mm. And you just, you just freeze and you think, well, it's not going to come and beat me to death, is it? It's not going to. So you just sit there and look at it and it looks at you and then it just shuffles away off, you know. And do you, do you, at the end of the day, do you um, take the time to look at what you've done then or do you just pack everything oh, yeah. and keep going and look at it all when you're back to the studio or how does that work? No, I'll take it back and you might, you might um, on a day when you're having a very short painting time out, you might get those things out and re, you know, do something else to them or something from, something new from them. Um, they're all just fuel, those little things. Sometimes you can do finished work, but I don't, I don't aim for doing finished work out there. I just aim for collecting the energy in the feel and, um, so that I can take it back and, yeah. And you never know what it'll turn into. Sometimes you don't, you might go back and you really might not revisit that trip in your mind for six months. Mm. You might leave it for quite some time. Mm. Mm. Until it... It becomes a remnant too, I think. Like I talk about remnant landscape, I think sometimes memories become sort of, they're not interesting until they're remnant memories, you know, like really eroded down yep. um, into their simplest 
form. So we were talking about gorges before, you know, I'm not interested in say Ormiston Gorge or any gorge. I don't want to describe it. I just want this bit of it. This, like this one behind me is um, rock, just a memory of a rock fall between, um, I don't know if you can see that. Can't really see all of it. Um, a rock fall between two red walls that I can remember seeing all these rocks sort of stacked up. They'd all fallen down into a big sort of V formation. And all these things come back. They come back to you and you, it's a joy to me to simplify things and, and take them right down to their simplest form. Hmm. I love that. I, I think uh, the remnants of memory also reminds me of when you're building up layers of a, of a painting and we talked earlier about how there's little marks and bits underneath that you've almost obliterated but there's just a bit that pokes through. You know, it's the same thing. There's remnants there that, yeah. that actually make the, the texture, the richness, the depth. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of and you have to be very careful of your judgment too when you're, and you're working very quickly and you think, oh, yes. no. Damn, I've got <laughs> you've just got to have all that judgment firing you know those good days we were talking about yep. everything's firing off yeah god knows how many brain syntaxes are, are, are firing off but i know you get really hungry afterwards <laughs> this is like a lot of energy but there's a lot of quick judgments to make so you oh. don't lose all that openness too you know leaving leaving a picture open leaving marks open if you close them all up for me, it's just clag. It's just you've got to, you're leaving all that air and space for the ground underneath to come through. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful description. Actually, when I think about your work, I, that that's immediately what excites me is the openness. I didn't realise that till you just said that word then, and that's yeah, like ah, open. Yeah. that's that's the breathing that you have, the capacity. Yeah, yeah. To breathe have it open it goes off yeah. the edge of the, of the canvas or whatever um and and that opens that that's exactly what i think you I learned a, yeah, i um, learned a lot about that thinking before i could put it into action from um studying the uh, 10th century chinese painters of the song dynasty oh, really? mm. only the 10th only that dynasty the before not afterwards confucian not they went into all sorts of rules and uh, but the the they were called the literati and they were overjoyed to be what they called amateur painters. You didn't want to be a professional painter in China at that time because you were indentured to someone and you had to, you know, you're painting by commission. So to be an amateur was to be of, of the highest order. They were the thinkers and the, the writers and they believed in walking in the landscape, walking, 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 looking, seeing, walking. Then you'd come back and they'd put a big scroll of paper on a wall and they'd sit down in front of it for, you know, how many hours and collect the whole thing, collect the, the potential and the energy of what they'd seen in their minds. And when they could see it all coalescing and, read, and ready, waiting for them, they'd just wham on in the, with their big brushes and their loose marks. And if you look at any of that, um, I can't remember, oh, I don't remember a couple of, Ma Yuan is one painter, M-A, one word, Y-U-E-N. Ma Yuan was a fabulous painter, Y-U-A-N. Mm. Uh, and there were three or four, and they were, they were, I mean, we're talking about 10th century. You think what, what else was yeah. happening in the Western world in the 10th century? Duh. Yeah. I mean, 
And they were abstractionists. Yeah, right. They were working with big abstract marks to, to contain this energy and what they called the potential of the thing. Um, uh, I think one of the, um, one of the literati described um, painting uh, anything in the landscape as painting something as it receives its nature. And I used to think, oh, okay, say it again to myself, painting something as it receives its nature. And, and one day a little light bulb went on and I thought, oh, you, you're painting that thing as it is finding its existence in the world. Ooh. As it's coming into being, you know, and it's it's the present. It gives you that present moment in in the finished work, so that the thing is hovering there, always in the present. If that makes wow. sense, kind of. I think like you, I'm going to have to say that over to myself a few times and digest it. But that's you look at their work and you think, oh my god, that could have been painted yesterday. Gee, okay, that's definitely something. Cold. And we were um, we were too busy. I think the Greeks wrecked our thinking because they were all about logic, and the and then it became about sight, and then it became about perspective. Well, who cares? Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there were all these rules about painting, and then of course the you know the church got in, religion got involved with painting, and this whole the Western world was involved with all these scientific things, mm. um, the science of sight of the visual um, and the Chinese had long ago gone somewhere else. Just fabulous. Very, very wonderful stuff to go and have a look at. So you studied this, you thought, you read, you reflected, and it's obviously had a big impact on how you hit the surface that you work on now. Non-Western painting. Non-Western painting. That's when I decided to go and do my master's. I thought I'm going to hang it on this. I, I think this has got legs. And I remember writing the thesis and I said, Kathy, you should be doing a PhD with this. It's a bit sort of involved. I said, well, sorry, but, you know. you got paintings that, to make. <laughs> that confirmed to me that the idea had legs and it, I, just, I just ran from, with that. And it's still today, it's really, really meaningful. Wow. I mean, even talking to you now about those Chinese painters, they're awesome. Yeah. And okay. to think all that abstraction was in the world and we, we moved away from it. In the West, we, we didn't even know it existed actually at the time. Well, that, that's it. I mean, when, when people talk about um, abstract expressionism, you know, we're talking about the, what the 1950s, <laughs> you know, that's what people immediately think New York, you know, like only then the Kooning, yeah, yeah, no, no, long, long, long time before that, and then forgotten. But if you go back and have a look today, it actually shocks you, you just think, oh. Those, those big brush marks, that freedom, the, the air that's in everything, the, the openness, just mm. that's the energy mm. to me that, yeah. I, I want, yeah, that I want. I think you do that yeah. superbly and, and now you've listened to you articulating that and, and your knowledge of that history makes me understand why I respond to the way I respond to your work personally. Mm. Um, I think I we was... underestimate ourselves, to tell you the truth. We yes. underestimate our own intuition. Yes. You know, how do you I learn think... to trust that more? How, do, how have you learned to trust yourself more? Oh, that? Um, painting by myself, okay. leading a fairly solitary existence. Wow. And then I can surprise myself with what I do. 
So staying with it, being with it and creating it. Yep. Yeah. 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 And even I'll go into the studio every day. Even if I don't do anything, I might just stand there with a cup of tea or something and just sort of remember what I did and go back into what I did the day before. And then I might, you know, go off and do the shopping or something. But you, you always go to it in some form every day. Mm. You know, don't have, I, I don't like having too many days when I'm not connected in some way to it. This is really interesting for me because I think for what I, I, I deal with and what I know a lot of younger artists are dealing with is, yeah. is just dealing with the demands of, of perhaps, you know, having another job oh, or those children. Things yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe there's children, but there's, yeah. there's life stuff that, that takes away from the force that one needs Always. to commit to, to be in that every day. Now, whether that's something mm-hmm. that at your age you, and stage you've got to, you're free of a lot of that, that you can really embrace that fully or whether yeah. you had the, de- uh, somehow well, created that. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, when you get old, that, that has its own issues. Of course you don't have, you have a different energy. Yeah. You have a, Different concentration. I'm I'm less distracted, and I'm more open-minded and simple-minded, and um, much happier making mistakes. Readily make mistakes. Don't worry about it. Um, I waste less time. Mm. Um, but I don't want to ever get overconfident. I don't like. I don't think I'd like that feeling. I, yeah, yes, I don't. I know, I know. You've got to keep on the edge, don't you? If a, like, I'm not quite sure this is a thing, but I'm feeling good about it, but I'm not, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather not, you know, we were talking about that funny thing, what is it that makes these paintings? I don't really want to know it. I it's just there. Yeah, I get it. You let it live. What, just going on, on, on that, Catherine, is there any advice? Is there any advice? Let's say, you know, you're meeting a, a, a painter, uh, in their in their thirties or even forties, I mean, what what are the things you would give you would you've learnt looking back that you would now like to tell them to do or not do? A female painter, any painter. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with the female painters. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee. Well, I understand why a lot of women artists that I admire, that you know, they haven't married, haven't had kids, just devote themselves to painting. Um, Look, it's different for everybody, really. Yeah. Um, but I would say make sure you've got a space of your own. Don't expect to be working in it every day. You might get two days a week. You might get four hours a week. Make that space yours. No one else is allowed to be in it. Use it. It's not a kitchen table. No. It might be. I've done that too. And if that's all you've got, well, that's all you've got. But if you've got a room... It's the old room of your own thing. Go for mm. it. But do whatever. Put it first whenever you can. See, I think a lot of women think, oh, that's a bit selfish. You put, you know, put your painting first. Painting is a greedy, greedy thing. Mm. And if you want to be a painter and you want to find out the, the best painter that you can be, you're going to have to let it eat you up. Wow. It is greedy and it will eat you up. And if you're not prepared to be eaten up, well, don't do it. That's so interesting because what I watch with, with women artists and, and I'm in the space of working with a lot of other women artists to support them. I mean, that's, mm. that's what I do, you know, apart from my own painting and so on. Yeah, um, then what, what I notice is they get 
absolutely caught between what they feel is their obligations and mm. in maybe in a sense even the way they're wired to care for others they're often mm. the carers oh yeah and that is there is all sorts of not just cultural but even sort of internal i think pressures yeah. to prioritize that so what yeah. you're saying i i i hear exactly what you're saying but i think for a lot of women it's almost damned impossible to try and put them first above that that whatever that pressure's pressure is you know whether it's external or internal i don't know i think it's probably a bit of both for a lot of it's reasons. a constant juggle um especially bringing up children i mean you can't say mummy's in the studio today door shut if yeah. it's holiday time if it's holiday time it's holiday time they go to school go for it right right it's another baby which you've got to look after it sure is, yeah. And all the demands. It, it'll demand a lot from you. And if you, if you can't give it chunks of time, and really, if kids are at school, wow, that's, what, five hours? Right. Stuff to wash in, right? <laughs> you just have to let other things just go. It doesn't matter. The washing will get done, I don't know, nine o'clock at night. It's a washing machine. Or, I mean... And if it's if it's cheese toasties for tea, well, I, you know, I look back and I think, you know, the hot meal every night for four people and you churn all that out. But really, if you've had a big day in the studio, kids don't care if they're having cheese toasties. I mean, it's not, it's not nutritionally deficient. <laughs> we're not advocating for poor nutrition, but we are, we're, we're trying know, to help the women artists here, right? <laughs> I think just lighten up. Yeah, lighten up and... and yeah. And allow it to be greedy. Allow your painting life to be greedy. When you can drop those other things, drop them hard and fast. Like get home from that school gate, like run all the way home. Right, right. Get in that space. Yeah. 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 And don't yeah. worry about what's for dinner or, you know, whether the place has been vacuumed or, what, or anything at all. Uh, and when it's holiday time, give up. Right. Good advice. <laughs> you know, well, unless you're one of those people who can, and I do know some fantastic women, they, they've got kids in nappies running around their studio they, and they're still churning out stuff. Mm. Um, whether it's their best stuff or whether, you know, that's probably not their, the way they really, really want to work, but they don't stop. Mm. Mm. Um, so work in any way you can, but... Um, I think it, you've got to let it run over the top of you or you'll never know what you're capable of. If you've got it so, um, how can I say, a lot of inroads coming into it all the time, it's being um, impinged on all the time with, with small children or whatever, you'll never know what you're capable of. I mean, I, I, I often think, what is in my brain? What, what will... What, what is there? What can I realise? Don't know. Mm. Do we ever, we ever know what we're capable of? And you won't know unless you, I believe, on your own. Mm. Mm. And give yourself over to it. Yeah. 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 Fantastic to talk to you. All easy to say and hard to do. Yeah, yeah. But, you, you know, you, you're such a, an inspiration. If anyone wants to, to chase you up, I'm talking to Catherine Casty. Catherine, um, I know you, you, you've got a website. You've got all those things happening. You're, you're pretty active on Instagram. Um, yep. 
what, do you teach anywhere? Is can you run anything? Um, I'm thinking or? at the moment. I'm thinking at the moment of um, doing some workshops. I think. I think there's a lot of people who want to develop their own mark. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm very interested in individual mark because everybody has their own innate mark. They might know what it is already. They might not have any idea. But um, I, I think some workshops along those lines would be great. Oh, I'm That's thinking fantastic. about it. Mm. Right, put, put, put me down. Oh, I, okay. I'm coming. <laughs> I'd just be weekend, like two days, two days, you yeah. know, each, each day. Perfect, um, perfect. It would be so amazing to to absorb yeah. that with you and, and just be in that space for a couple of days and, and continue yeah. this kind of a conversation because personally I find that incredibly inspiring and interesting. And there's, I, a lot, I, there's a lot to talk about. You know? Yeah, isn't there? And I would mm-hmm. say the other, the other uh, advice to, to, to artists is, is read. Yeah. Read, read about visual philosophy. Read about other artists' um, lives, talking about their lives. Anybody. Um, not so much, you know, deep into French philosophy of the visual or something. You know, that'll just fry your brain. But um, <laughs> like Stephen Jay Gould I was talking about, anything at all, if you're interested in landscape, read about landscape. Yeah. Um, books on any, any, anywhere at all. Get out there when you can get out there too. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm about to head out there, um, as in tomorrow. Uh, I'm going. Oh, tomorrow. where to? Uh, Liverpool Plains, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to stay stay with um, a couple of artists out there and um, absorb what I can. Apparently, he's got a great library, <laughs> so I'll be hanging out in his library yeah. and 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 taking it in the landscape. So it's very, it's really awesome to talk to you today because I think that just fuels me up even further to, to take in what I can while I'm while I'm there and pack plenty of paper in the back of the car. And uh, out, out we go. So I, I can't wait. But it's you, you've got a trip away. You've got um, have you got another exhibition this year? Or is that all on for next year? Um, I had three exhibitions last year, and it nearly you did a me. lot. I, I was noticing that, including Paris, right? If I'm right, Paris. Yeah, I had uh, a show at Walker up in the country. Oh, Walker. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, Walker. Yeah. Uh, Walker. Um, I'm now at. I've uh, got some work um, at Inverell. Uh, so I had Walker and then I went from Walker to Paris. I was invited to show in a, a group of t- with 10 French abstractionists. Um, the French amazing. Painter, Claire what an amazing experience to do that, go oh, there and do that. That's wonderful, wonderful. And they are hardcore abstractionists. They're really, they have a lot of um, a weight of cultural history on their shoulders. And I, I did feel quite a difference being an Antipodean. <laughs> Did you? Um, they wanted me in the show. I was the only outsider, the, the only international artist. They were all French. Wow. So I, I, could feel, I could feel a great difference in being an Australian artist. It was a thrilling difference. I loved it. Wow. But they were all um, pretty much, she, she wanted to gather together uh, intuitive mark makers, basically. Yeah. Who were con- basically confronting a surface. That okay. was... So we were all confronting a surface in a different way intuitively. And to be put amongst them was a, just such a thrill. And, and once again, confirmed what I was doing. You know, you don't, you don't go looking for that confirmation, but I did feel that I, I was doing the right thing for me. Yeah, yeah. How did you end up there? How, did, how the heck did they find you? 
have well, the art a French artist Claire Colin Colin who curated it yeah. just sent me an email. She'd done a Clausewitz Presto too. She'd done before that, and um, she said, "Would you like to be in it?" And I thought it was a scam. Oh, <laughs> did you? <laughs> I thought I know oh, oh, Claire Colin Colin's work. I've seen that on Facebook. Oh, well, I just sort of went and you know investigated a bit more, and yeah. oh, it was just, I didn't believe it. So that was fabulous. And then came back and had a show here in Sydney in November. So I've only just had a show last November here, mm. two, Walker mm. and Sydney, and then French, uh, French, uh, Paris in between. So next year, it'll be twelve months, or what? What you? Um, I don't know what will happen this year. Um, yeah, I think I think May next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may, and I've, and I have been showing uh, previously. I was down at Bruni Island, and I was showing at Despard Gallery in Hobart uh, last year. Oh, lovely! So I'd like, I'd like to try and get some work down to them again. Um, mm-hmm. Hobart's jumping, of course. Yes. Um, yeah, but that, that was a marvelous trip down to Bruni, and then across to the Central Highlands. So it was Bruni Island, and then. Um, the old, the ancient glacial country up in the Central Highlands, at Mount Field. It's, oh, it's marvellous. Wow. Marvellous, yeah. Glacial lakes and snow. There was a little bit wow. of snow flowing. And beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful country. Quite, quite the opposite of, uh, it was desert. I mean, it was arid, cold arid. Mm. Yeah. So you'll be filling your, filling up your, your well, your painting pot, whatever. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. And um, you know, churning those spectacular works out um, in in your studio. And look, I, I encourage anyone that, that, particularly if you're interested in that intuitive mark making, or that that uh, beautiful freedom, that to, to have a look at Catherine's work. Um, I, I think it's such a superb example of that, and it's really fascinating to talk to you today, particularly your too. your feeling of landscape. And, and as an Australian female artist, I think that's uh, you know you're. You're right in my space, so I really wanted to talk to you, and um, I, I want to thank you for the work that you've done. I think you you Thanks, uh, have Chris. certainly inspired a lot of painters, and um, keep doing what you're doing because it's it's really quite superb and very inspiring. Mm-hmm. As I said, thank you so much for all your time today. I I, I thought we might chat for you know maybe yeah. twenty minutes, thirty minutes, but I, we've probably been going for a good hour, and I've loved every every moment of that. I, I really I loved love it. talking painting. Yeah, yeah. It's good it's stuff, a, isn't it, a, to talk, Oh, it's, it's wonderful, yeah. And I know, you know, all the self-doubts that I've been plagued with, most most artists are plagued with that. And I'm glad you an, said that. <laughs> oh, look, it just goes with the territory and, and, and embrace yeah. it as your friend, you know, and, um, yeah, I think you can't, if you can't find utter confidence, you'll find the confidence when you start working, when you actually start in the That's making, it. That, that's in the Look for it, don't we? Outside of that, yeah, mm-hmm. it's in the making. I, I, I think that's such that's it's spot on. Absolutely. Well, look, we're going to let you go back to your making. I know you just sort of recovered from a big opening night with with some friends in the gallery last night. I'm not going to talk about red wine or anything else, but uh, we really appreciate you pulling yourself together. Um, to, to, to terrific to talk to you too, and. Um, 
look, all the best with the work. We, um, yeah, we, we look forward to, to tracking you down and, and certainly if there's things like workshops and exhibitions, I'm sure people will be able to find you. Your website, is it, is it just your name, CatherineCassidy.com? CatherineCassidyPaintings.com. Uh, CatherineCassidyPaintings.com, beautiful. I haven't adjusted it for a long time. Oh, well, it's... That time it's, I went on and tidied it up. Like most of us, like most of us, we never get yeah, to that. last things. thing I think of, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. We're too busy with the with mm. getting the hands dirty, which is which is what we should be doing. Thank you again. All the best with things. Uh, it's been great to have you on the podcast today. And, um, you know, I... Uh, thanks very much for all the work you do yet again. And if you're interested in chasing down Catherine, you certainly can do. If you're interested more in the space, also finding out about women artists and, and uh, what I'm doing in that, it's also, I have uh, two websites. One is the work that I'm doing um, to support other artists, which is felicityoconnor.com. And then my own paintings is, is felicityoconnor.com.au so two different websites but certainly that whole space and what's been great to talk to Catherine today is, is you know what it is to be a female artist what particular things it is about that what things historically and currently we are grappling with as women artists to uh, achieve what, what we feel we want to and where we want to go so there's lots of support for that uh, in the work that I'm doing particularly and you can look up those things on my website or, or contact me and I'll be happy to talk further with anyone that wants to sort of play in that space with me. Um, thanks again, Catherine. Uh, we'll, we'll sign off and um, wish you all the very best and, uh, yeah, enjoy the trip out to, to the desert. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Happy painting. Thank you. You too. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. Hello, listeners. Popping in just quickly again before you go, it's Felicity here, and I'm really thrilled to tell you about one of the things I've created for artists called a marketing mini-series for artists, which is a three-part audio mini-training for artists all about marketing because it's often a bit of a tripping point for artists that I see happening, um, and I would really love to give you all the resources I can to help you get over that. We talk about overcoming resistance to marketing, uh, a marketing strategy, what exactly what you need to do to have uh, an ex a successful marketing strategy, and of course one of my favourite topics about investing in yourself, what happens when you do and what happens when you don't. So go to the links in the show note for the link to the three-part audio marketing mini-series for artists now, or you can email my team, team at felicityoconnor.com, and we would be happy to send that to you. Hope it helps. I'll look forward to getting your feedback. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.